It's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Medler, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Liverpool won, kept a clean sheet, and Mo Salah scored another worldie in their 2-0 victory over Watford. Their unbeaten streak is now up to 33 games. Norwich went to Leicester and ended their winning run as they were able to draw 1-1. The Canaries even were able to stop Jamie Vardy from scoring, ending his scoring streak. And Bournemouth continued to stifle Chelsea as they beat the Blues 1-0 at the bridge. Chelsea are officially in trouble, and that bad form that Alex has predicted, well, it's finally here, everybody. Duncan Ferguson has revitalized Everton. They were able to go to Old Trafford and get a point with a 1-1 draw. Spurs went to Wolves today and got back to winning ways with a 2-1 victory. Mourinho's men are now fifth in the table and only three points out of a Champions League spot. And Manchester City went to Arsenal and won the game in about 90 seconds as Kevin De Bruyne had his way with the Gunners. Welcome to the Ghost School Podcast. I'm Andrew Pissarro. we got the whole crowd up here tonight. Alex Moss, Javier Revelo, along for the ride. Everybody, how was the weekend? Pretty good. Can't lie. Great UFC card on Saturday night. Yeah. Pretty uh, not footy wise, but yeah, it was it was, it was a good weekend. Had uh, you had, know, what, let's just not talk about football this week. Yeah, let's you know, not. We're gonna, let's change the pod. We switch up to yeah. uh, Baltimore Ravens podcast. Um, let's talk about yeah, different guys, sports. the Ravens are winning the Super Bowl, right? The yeah, Wizards they've got a good young that. team. We're shit, <laughs> but like we'll be good in the future. I don't want to talk about. It. <laughs> right. Fuck, but fuck. we have to. Okay, I, I I'll be resigned to that fate. Yeah, we we do we do indeed have to talk about it. Um. Guys, uh, are we in the trust tree right now? Depends what the uh, information being shared is. I didn't wake up for the Liverpool game. Of course you didn't. You don't wake up for Liverpool games. You're not a real Liverpool fan. You just... Fuck off. Yeah, you just wait until they're playing at 12.30 against Man City, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll watch that one. Yeah, I mean... the, The last two weekends, the last two weekends have caught me at a certain time of the year where I've had engagements that that leave me out late into the night and I, the choice is either pull an all-nighter and watch the Liverpool game and then be a zombie for my work at for my actual job after that or sleep through it and catch it on a delay and uh, I slept right through this Watford I think I woke up looked at the lineup was like oh yeah we should beat Watford 4-0 and then suddenly fell right back asleep and we did not beat Watford 4-0 uh but they 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 look they played very well they rotated the side again James Milner came in at left back they played a 4-2-3-1 Georgina Wijnaldum got injured Robertson got injured no no he didn't play at all he came he came off after like 30 minutes it screwed me in my fantasy game i didn't get the clean sheet and he played 30 minutes so i only got one point from him i was very upset with that andrew i assumed it was for no, an injury but i didn't watch he was benched he was he didn't play uh, so then maybe he came on for 31 minutes at the end i just assumed he started cuz he got points in fantasy for me but uh it was only like for 31 minutes he yeah, he came on for the he came on for the last thirty minutes when Wijnaldum went off. Okay, but never yeah, mind. He, he didn't get injured. I saw thirty one minutes played and I assumed he got injured because why the hell would you bring Andy Robertson on to a game? Okay, whatever. No, my yeah. bad. James Milner started a left back. The main look, the, Klopp rotated the squad again. Watford aren't as good as us. 
It was at Anfield. There was only way. There was only one way this game was going to go. Brings back putting Mohamed Salah back up top. Salah's on great form. I right told now. you, Sal- that- Salah's back going into that Bournemouth game. I told you the Bournemouth Watford. Those are games that he usually dominates those teams. Yeah, Salah's back. I'm like, I probably need him in fantasy again. That Leipzig goal. The right-footed oh finish from the acute angle, that was probably the best goal I've seen him score in a while, until this weekend, yeah. obviously. But, oh yeah, he's yeah. back. He's he's full. He, Mohamed Salah, back on his bullshit. Uh, very happy about it. I've got a fun little stat here for you guys that I put in the rundown. Uh, he has 84 goals in 126 games. Luis Suarez had 82 goals in 133 games. Ooh. And Fernando Torres had 81 goals in 142 goals. 142 games. And he's played out wide in a lot of those. Now... There was a there was a topic of discussion because there's not much to really say about Liverpool right now. They're they're just doing the dirty work and Watford are a mess. Is Mo Salah getting enough credit at from Liverpool fans that Torres and Suarez did? Because I don't think he is. I think Well, you know why that is. Because he's sharing it with two other great players, but they're just great in different ways. Like I, I, I don't think it's like a, an insult to any one of them to say that they're uh, uh, Mane, Firmino, and Salah are all kind of underappreciated as as individuals because they all share the spotlight so perfectly, and it's why Liverpool are as good. Right, as everyone they are. talks about them as a front three, right. as which is like, what you want. It's a team you know, game. working together amazingly. So, yeah, if you don't think of it as you know, well, Salah carries or Mane carries or Firmino carries, you think. All of them can show up. Do you one think game which one of them is it going to be today? Because it's going to yeah, be one of them. Yeah. I I also think too. Mo hasn't. Mo has some. We just talked about some world class goals that he has. But I can go back to the Luis Suarez era, and he was just just absolutely going god mode on some teams. Norwich in particular with the goals that he scored, and the same thing with Fernando Torres. I don't. I think Mo has scored like a good amount of like tap ins or goals where like. He's put someone on their ass and then scores a goal afterwards, but which takes a certain it's a ter- it's a different level of skill where like Torres and Suarez would just like smash the ball into the a top right corner at times and be like what the fuck was that and we don't get that as much with Salah I will say I I, I appreciate I, I would say the- he's that far behind them he's got a fair share of worldies for himself the Chelsea one springs springs to mind yeah. I'll I'll yeah. be the one to mention it before someone else does. I was getting there. If you didn't, it's okay. I will. I will always mention that. Uh, but yes, thirty-three games unbeaten for Liverpool, and um, I'm you know seventeen games into the season. I'm not gonna say I haven't seen some invincible tweets, but we're not talking about them yet. But uh, it's been thrown. I out may or there. may not have mentioned to Alex yesterday that uh, I may be getting worried. Wow, you're 13, 13 away right now from the uh, forty-nine unbeaten. Record of that's the team. overall record, but the Invincibles record. I feel like that still is going to be hard to break. Like you shouldn't be going for that. You should be going. I don't think that's going to happen. You should be going for the league and Champions broken, League but double. The, uh, but I am a little bit worried that the forty nine unbeaten might get broken by you guys. I mean, you're you're far. You're like still pretty far. Still like a fourth way more to go. But yeah, and it's pretty crazy and, that you got this far. And now we get to the fun part of the year where Liverpool says these next four yeah, games yeah. are going to be lit for you guys. Yeah. Though you guys have a uh, have a hard schedule coming up. Yeah, they uh, we will, we've got Aston Villa in the uh, in the Carabao Cup on Tuesday, and then the actual team plays Monterey at the at the Club World Cup. They they have a West Ham game that's getting pushed back, and then on Boxing Day they go to Leicester. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, and then Wolves, what, what comes after that, Andrew? Wolves 
at home at Anfield. That's a, that's that that helps. Also, we did well against the Wolves last year. We beat them both times. Uh, then they are home to Sheffield, and uh, then they have the FA Cup against Everton, followed by at Tottenham, followed by going hosting Manchester United. Yeah, that's some. Uh, it's not an easy run. Those those five games or so you guys got there. That's pretty much all all people in the top six or seven. Yeah, but there, to be fair, so. they could drop points in like two or three of those league games, and it wouldn't matter. Like it no, 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 of course, but I'm, sa- I'm not saying for the title race. I'm saying purely for the unbeaten run. They might lose one of those games. All right. I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you to be I think the if one you to get through those games, <laughs> I think if they get through those five games, like that United, Tottenham, Wolves, Sheffield, Leicester run unbeaten, then they're going to break the 49. Like I'm like they're I think they're gonna go through and like it's gonna be a thing. For any of you guys that don't they know, might even go Arsenal the whole hold the record for forty nine league wins in a row. Or league, uh, unbeaten, league unbeaten. unbeaten. Sorry. Uh league games unbeaten, yeah. which was their invincible which is season, a season into the and, following. And a third. Right. Yeah. yeah. So Liverpool yeah. are on pace to <laughs> so try and beat again. that. We've always talked too many about too Liverpool much about Liverpool. Almost are, are almost at thirty eight games, which would, would kind of be like, you know, their own invincible if they got to 38 games. That'd be interesting. That doesn't mean shit. Uh, let's get Yeah, over. it doesn't. But it's fun stats. Fun, meaningless stats. All right, let's get to let's get to the pain. Alex uh, Bournemouth went to Chelsea. They were plus 1,000, and they beat Chelsea. Hey, we we uh, we said it. We were like... Uh, okay, to, to be exact, the way I phrased it was Javier... Bournemouth have a better chance of beating Chelsea at plus 1,000 than Arsenal have of even getting a point against Manchester City. And I was right about both things, and I hate myself for it. But at the same time, it was fun watching Man City just, like, destroy Arsenal. Let's talk about that. Let's skip forward to that game. Oh, did you enjoy that? Let's not talk about Chelsea, Bournemouth. Okay, fine. Fine. Let's get the Arsenal Arsenal City out of the way. No, 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 fine. I'll do uh, Chelsea, Bournemouth. Just let me get Chelsea, Bournemouth out of the way, Javier. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Chelsea losing 1-0 at home to Bournemouth. I'm kidding you not. Anyone that's watched Chelsea this season, it was the single worst performance I've seen from Chelsea this season. Uh, it was, I mean, stagnant was the uh, only 4-0 word. 4-0 against Manchester United. No, no, because we they played well. Chances. We played well in that game and created chances. We should have scored like one or two. We played well. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just a naive performance then. But this was, it was just stagnant. Freddie said that we played well against Manchester City. Well, that's a lot. Good for him. <laughs> he said he was proud of the boys. For I'll what? what he's fucking nothing? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> right. I'll have what he's can smoking, he, can he, too. Can he deliver some of that to Brooklyn? Because, uh, yeah. yeah. What the fuck? He was fuck? like, oh, the average age of the side was like 21 or 22 or something because we had a bunch of 18-year-olds. He's like, ah, for uh, for the amount of money that Manchester City had on the field, they, uh, the team did well. I was like, we lost 3-0. <laughs> Rule 76, no You can't say we did well. You're not allowed to say that. But Chelsea, Chelsea was... Like I said, stagnant is the only word I can like come up with. We all to, knew this to, shit to... was coming, dude. Well, I mean, it, we're in the we middle of it. This, was this isn't like a surprise. We were we were like making jokes last week on the pod about no, how you thought you that you were going to be in like the title race for a minute. No, no, remember, there was definitely a second you thought actually. That. I mean, we can pull up the tapes if you want. But Andrew asked me. It. Andrew asked me. And I said, "Talk to me after the Man City game," and we lost the Man City game. So yeah, it was it was over. But it, I mean, it never really got started, but. All of the passing was, like Frank said after the game, was between the two center backs, the two fullbacks, Aspilicueta and Emerson, and 
uh, Bournemouth basically sat back and challenged Rudiger and Zuma, the two center backs, to make these long diagonal passes from their position at center back out to the opposite wing. And when that didn't like come off because those two players haven't been necessarily good at that uh, so far this season, they both started trying to force passes through the middle. And Bournemouth, with like Billing and Lerma, were just able to pick those passes off easily. And they were like, I think. There was a stat being thrown around yesterday after the game that like Rudiger and Zuma by themselves, like between the two of them, had more passes to each other than the rest of the team combined. It was just that kind of stagnant where we just couldn't break that initial line and create too many great chances. There were still good chances. We probably could have scored one or two, but that same problem problem of just being uh, just wasteful with the like the half chances we get. Chelsea misses yeah, Tamori. Came back. I mean, we missed Tamori or Christensen. I feel like Christensen or Tamori would have been a good, useful weapon in this to have a bit more composure to get, to on get, the ball to get that initial breaking out of the. But Tamori especially because like, Tamori has the Tamori has the recovery ability of Ozuma or a Rudiger and the athleticism of them, and he combines that with like the composure on the ball and ability to like drive forward with the ball at his feet and pass that Christensen has. So he, it, it, when he comes back from this hip injury he's had for the last like week or two, I'm hoping that makes a big difference, but at the same time, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done on the forward players. And going back to what you said, Javier, I, I agree with the recent performances, and this one is probably like the biggest... like you know, turd in the, in the punch bowl performance, like the rest of them are, you can kind of make excuses for some of them, but this at home against a Bournemouth side that had most of their best players out injured, including Ake and Callum Wilson. There's no excuse for that. Like we, we conceded a terrible set piece goal in the like 84th minute and didn't look like scoring again after that. It was just completely toothless. And I wouldn't be surprised if it pushed Chelsea to go and buy someone, even if that's like Zaha, and we end up overspending on him for like 80 million or 100 million or something. Because something has to change. Because now, going into the season, the expectations were one thing. Now we're through to the Champions League. So we've met to the Champions League knockout round. So we've met one expectation or one goal. And now the real goal is keeping top four and getting getting back into the Champions League next season. So I'm, I'm guessing that's going to lead to hopefully not panic buys, but some buys for sure. What was Kepa doing on that goal? Uh, yeah, he messed up. I'll, uh, There's been a few of those in the last couple. But of to weeks, be fair, man. that Gosling finish was crazy. We just talked about that. That Gosling finish was like. There's some rumors. Was crazy. No, there's no rumors. There's, there's no rumors. rumors. Get that, out of like, here. Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report reported that Frank Lampard is supposedly shopping around for uh, for goalkeeper options. In the well, summer. that's funny because Frank Lampard has no buying power. He at doesn't the club. like. But Frank Kepa, Lampard so. is literally just like asked about certain players and whether he thinks they would be a good fit or not. He's not asks like should we sell this player you know he doesn't have that kind of like managerial control he's a coach he has what a six-year deal left something like that yeah, he's, on so, a, he's on like yeah, a he's on like a three-year deal leaving but oh keppa keppa's no, no, on a uh, no i'm saying uh, keppa's on a seven-year deal and he's in year goalie, two of Kepa. it Kepa, yeah, yeah he's got five years left after right. this one so we're pretty much committed to keppa and his development and growth which i'm still behind but yeah he's made some mistakes so far this season alex it you <clears throat> Do you really see do you see Chelsea bringing someone in in January? Do you see them signing somebody for like signing someone into January and then arriving in like May and like you know at the end of the season? I mean, probably both. I I, th- I think if there was going to be a deal done for a player like the caliber of Jaden Sancho, I don't think it's likely in January obviously, but if it was to be done, it would probably be like a Pulisic kind of deal where you sign it in January and allow and allow him to stay 
for the rest of the season, which doesn't help us for getting into Champions League. But I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to make a deal like that and for a striker. Like, supposedly, Real Madrid are looking to loan Luka Jovic. That's something I've heard. I haven't heard any connection There's with Chelsea. There's zero chance you get Jadon Sancho. This no, season. I agree. I agree. It's not It's not likely. 0%. But, that. I mean, that's the kind of player we need to bring in right now, right this instance. I think it's, I think it's far more likely that it ends up being someone like Zaha and Pedro is sold or something like that, which would definitely be help, like helpful. I feel like he would be helpful, but he wouldn't be the world-class, like, experience signing that we need, for sure. I got you. I got you. All right. Uh, let's 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 go to the Arsenal Manchester City game because we already kind of teased it so much. I know we had that slated for a little later in the podcast, but Kevin De Bruyne in ninety seconds, Sterling in fifteen minutes after that, and Kevin De Bruyne again in the fortieth. He also hit the bar, missing out on a hat trick. Um, Jesus, was he good today? He was brilliant. Like first ever brace for him. Awesome. He's never scored a really? brace before in the league. Yeah, Jeez. I was shocked too. It's I mean, just shows how excellent he was. And like you said, he could have had a hat trick for sure. It was a great save from Leno to keep him from a hat trick, though. So he was absolutely phenomenal. Who's going to leave Arsenal first, Lacazette or Leno? Because they're going to have to one of them's going to leave to go on and play for a better team. Do you mean Aubameyang? Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, Aubameyang. <laughs> Lacazette or Leno, the, the striker or the goalkeeper? <laughs> But I mean, Javier, you would know better than uh, me. I mean, Leno, Leno's not going anywhere. Uh, I'm sure Aubameyang is going to be the first to leave. Uh, I I don't mind him being sold. I'm sure we can get a lot of money for him. He's scoring a bunch of goals, so uh, he was pretty useless in this game, though. Um, yeah. Name name not... someone who was useful in this game besides Leno. There was a there were a couple of players that Martinelli. Were Martinelli decent. was very good. Martinelli was was definitely good throughout the game. Um, his energy was high. He was pressing. He was attacking and, you know, still was pretty good in buildup. He was probably one of the few bright spots. Um, I thought Ainsley Might and Niles played pretty decently. None of the mistakes or goals came down his side. All of them came down Kolasinic's side. And, yeah, I thought that the the, the midfield was pretty disorganized, just was not set up at all to defend. Several times, Guendouzi and Torreira were caught playing up the field, and City were just, you know, De Bruyne was just given acres of space, which you'd think if there was one player on Manchester City who you don't want to give acres of space, like, I was, like, livid after that first goal because, like, how is De Bruyne in just, like, 10 yards of space, not even at the top of the 18? He was, like, inside of the 18-yard box, like... No defender was near him, and yeah, I just, it was atrocious defending and, you know, a pathetic display from Kolasinic, who ended up getting injured. Um, we ended up having to bring on Bukayo Saka to play left back, and yeah, at that point you knew nothing, nothing was ever going to get get accomplished right. at that point. Since the so. last pod, uh, I don't think we mentioned, or it wasn't news yet in the last pod, but it, uh, Kieran Tierney dislocated his shoulder and is out for three months, which is... Really devastating after he missed the first couple months of the season with an injury that he had when he first signed. I mean, he was just starting. He, to get, yeah, like, he was really starting to get like rolling. back in, like, into, I guess, the the swing of things at Arsenal. And it's just a killer right. for that. And have, I mean, I don't know how long Kolasinac is supposed to be out for with that injury, but it's it's. It, I mean, it's one of many problems at Arsenal right now. We may have to dip into the uh, the the market for a left back in January. I wouldn't be surprised if we do that now. I mean, if you're going to do that, that means it has to mean that Kolasinac is like leaving, right? Because you're not bringing in a yeah, third I mean, one. Yeah, I mean, Lundberg does not like Kolasinac, I can tell. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Kolasinac and Ozil are going to be out the door during the summer. 
Um, but I doubt we can get them anywhere out in January. And, I mean, pathetic pathetic again for Mesudozio coming off in the 59th minute. I mean, we all knew, um, you know, we talked about it. Ozio was playing in this game and, you know, was just a passenger, completely useless, didn't make a tackle, barely made a forward pass. Um, came off and came off and just walked off the pitch, you know, instead of, you know, running off the pitch. Yeah, the fans were booing him and... He uh, like threw his gloves on the ground, threw a little temper tantrum when he he got onto the bench, which is, you know, for everything that's been going on this year of Mesut, you know, you, you think you can throw a temper tantrum and walk off the pitch when we're losing three nil at home? Like, dude, get the fuck out of our club. Nobody wants you here. Evidently not, since there's a bunch of Arsenal fans who seem to think he's Nobody still the answer. Nobody wants you here. Yeah, uh, some of these just idiots. Yeah, there were still some people clapping and weren't there. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, it was it was rough. Fucking idiots. But, um, All right, I'm gonna pitch. I'm gonna posit, I'm gonna pitch Mesut Ozil's next location. David Beckham's Inter Miami needs to make a big splash. They've signed like two like Argentinian like South American kids. I got this one. Bring in, yeah. Uh, are they willing to pay him three hundred thousand uh, or more a week? I don't think so. Just. Just give him club. Just give him interest in the club. Well, okay, just I just mean, give him an ownership price. Yeah, I don't know if they would be willing to do that. With the beak. But yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe. Uh, but he he said that he has one year left on his deal after this current year, uh, and he intends to stay the entire time and then move on as a free agent. He said that in like official interviews, so I expect that to be be the case. Like he probably still thinks he's still got it, with air quotations. But I mean. He hasn't had it for at least a, two years now. It's he's been an ap, an actual cancer and no joke. You, like we've m- mentioned it plenty of times in this podcast, you are playing with ten men when you play with him in your lineup. When if he is one of your three midfielders, you are screwed. You cannot win the ball back against a team as good as Manchester City if Mesut Ozil is one of your eleven players. It you just can't do it. And this was another another case of that. The player I wanted to highlight for Manchester City, other than De Bruyne, I think was Phil Foden. I, Pep needs to start playing him more. I know he's been kind of forced to with like some of the injuries and rotation for Champions League and and uh, League Cup coming up and stuff. But he's a really good, hardworking player, and he he he's kind of he's kind of that perfect blend of like the the technical midfielder you want with that kind of stature that he has, and also like the skill and pace to play out wide. He's kind of similar to Bernardo he's Silva, like a way better version of Harry Winks. No, but he plays further forward than Harry Winks. Harry Winks is like a deeper lying, like play. he's like a definitely in a like a attacking midfielder slash almost winger. He was playing out in those wide areas, the opposite of wherever De Bruyne was drifting to. And he, his work rate, it was like I thought he did a great job of simulating something that like Bernardo Silva would do. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I mean, I saw enough in this game that I think you can trust him in plenty of other big games, and you can't look at that position in the future and think oh, City were missing something because they were playing that kid. I think he's as good, if not better, than like Mason Mount even. He's he's a really solid player. I mean, he's been getting uh, he's been getting calls up to uh, the national team, even though he's like, not playing. No, he's been getting calls for... to the U21 team. Oh, that's right. He's been playing I, for the he's U21s. Gotten, he's, gotten a, he's gotten a call up, though, I think, with... In the last, like he got called up to one of the full senior matches. Like I think he's made his, he's gotten called, at least once. But yeah, no, I, 
And he's he's the player that everyone met, like all a lot of the Manchester City fans are talking about. Like, are they going to be able to retain him or not? Because he may go elsewhere. He may take a step down to go someplace and play full time. And like, because they really don't have any place for him to play. Well, yeah, like, I mean, they, they kind of do. Uh, they can play him in midfield when um, uh, they want to shift Bernardo Silva or something like that further out wide and not play at, uh, look Mares. Look who's injured right now on that team. Look who's injured. You've got no Leroy Sané. Uh, no Aguero. No Aguero. Um, David Silva's leaving at the end of the season. We know that. Right, so he's David so, Silva's replacement. I think I made that point before the season, that this is the season that he yeah. starts getting more game time, and then he replaces David Silva's like work rate and position kind of in midfield, but also drifting wide. He's. I'm just saying, he's he's really good right now, and he'll be even better, obviously, in the future. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's uh, let's move back to Saturday. Leicester, I want to just mention this briefly. Leicester get stopped up by Norwich. Timo Pukki back on the score sheet in the 26th minute and a cool owned goal in the 38th. What did you guys see from Leicester? Like, I, they're still – they're now 10 points behind Liverpool. They play each other in a couple weeks. Do you think Leicester are going to be able to keep this – still keep up and be in the race and maintain top four, or do you think this is kind of the beginning of the collapse? I know we've talked about them. No, you can't say this is the collapse. Recently. I mean, a home draw no. where they should have probably won it with a, a good amount of chances at the end. You can you can make some you can make some kind of case that they got back into it with the equalizer right before halftime, and then maybe like dropped their uh, intensity a little bit and kind of like assumed they had enough time to get the winner when you go back and watch it, but. Uh, overall, they created enough chances that, like on another day and on plenty other days this season already, they've had the quality to take advantage and, and get the winner. But today they just didn't. I think I think it's notable that uh, Zimmerman came back in at center back next to Godfrey. So you know Norwich are starting to have some semblance of an actual backline now, and they get kind of unlucky, I think, on the cruel own goal where you know Vardy gets it towards goal, but it's not going in. Cruel just gets a hand to it and can't get enough power on it to keep it out. And um, I mean, it, I, I know it wasn't being directed towards goal, but I feel like Vardy should get like, like I feel like it, like Vardy should feel pretty hard done by that he didn't score in this game because he had plenty of other chances after this, like including a couple 1v1s where he rounded the keeper and just missed from an acute angle. Uh, he, he really played well still and just, it was just like a, a microcosm of what Leicester's like team problem was where, they played well enough that they could have won, but you know it's just one of those days where it's just not always going to work out for you. But they, they've they've got plenty of chances now. Now is the gauntlet. If they go, they have Man City next away, and then they have Liverpool at home. They win those two games, and they they catch up three points on Liverpool while they're away at the uh, Club World Cup and have a game in hand from that. And then they have the chance, like a couple days later, to beat Liverpool at home. If you want to win the title, and if that's their actual ambition then they have to go out and win both those games. And I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it's impossible that they do that, but it, it's going to take an absolutely like monumental effort for that to happen. I, I think this was uh, definitely a, like a, most of mostly what Alex said, which was, you know, just not Leicester's day, but I actually thought this was a really good performance for Norwich. Sure. I thought, I think lately Norwich have been improving. Um, they went on a really, really bad run after that, you know, really good five first five games they had and I think Pookie's back um 
we I you know we called him to score against Arsenal a few games I think he back and he's three of four getting goals. Yeah, and he's assists. got like three yeah, he's and been, four he's games. Been getting goals and assists since then, and in, in three in 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 running games now, um, and he seems to be back on track. So it seems like the Pookie party might be back. The um, finisher, but but there's a giant asterisk to this. Um, while as well as Norwich played. Um, apparently, Pookie played the whole entire second half with a broken foot. For a broken toe. So if that is the case, a broken toe, if that is the case, Pookie may be out for a while, and Norwich are probably going to be in big, big trouble if that is true. So I would watch for that. Poor Norwich. That is, that is, yeah, that is not, they would have to buy a striker at, at the halfway point. Like, there's no way that they can... Save themselves. You don't like Josip yeah. Dermich? I used to, and then he did nothing in Germany, and I, he hasn't. When was the last time he even played in the Premier League? Uh, I mean, he comes on as a sub every now and then, but no, not really. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's jump over to Sunday. We had, we had we got two more games we want to hit on. Manchester United's one-one draw with Everton. Uh, Alindoff own goal in the thirty-seventh. A Mason Greenwood equalizer in the seventy-seventh. And the other notable part of this game was the Moise Kane <laughs> getting subbed on and getting subbed on. Oh, man, I feel bad for him. That was I do too. That was rough. I do, too. 19 years uh, old, your first time playing at Old Trafford, basically. I don't know. He might have played there for Juventus last season. He's been real shit for He's Everton. He's been awful. What's with Everton going and buying just, like, spending a shitload of money for awful strikers? I mean, they went and got Tosun, who, who was a pretty big bust. Who else they got? They had um, that really tall guy. Didn't they have Slimani? No, that was Lester. That was Lester, Lester was Slimani. Slimani. Yeah, they they they've had some. They've had some. I guess Lukaku. Lukaku was pretty good. They had Calvert Lewin uh, came out of their academy, so no money spent on him. Calvert Lewin's Richarlison. They, they played they at center forward a lot. He's played well there. They spent fifty million for him, right? But he he's not a he's not a center forward, right? It's just I think that they they. They haven't spent their money that wisely, and you, it feels like Everton now are kind of in trouble because they spent so much money on their players and like on. Their I don't squad know, man. They just got four points from kind of stuck games against Chelsea and Manchester United. Like, yeah, like I, okay. I don't think the narrative of this game is Duncan Ferguson. Is this? Maybe the, the new uh, manager bump, obviously, but. I just think that it's it's temporary patches right now for Everton. I don't know right. where, like where the goals are going to come. from. I think Ferguson them. has even said as much. Ferguson has said that like he wants the best for the club, and he obviously wants the job, but he just wants a decision made whether he's going to be the manager or whether they're going to bring someone else in. And he's obviously going to be respectful of whatever that decision is. But he understands that you can only get these results against uh, these kinds of teams at this end of the table for so long before it kind of falls apart. They started Mason Holgate in midfield, who's usually a center back or a right back. Holgate and Davis in midfield. Yeah. And like they played really they played well, well, but, but like, like how you know sustainable that that's not is that? Be able to, exactly. That you're not gonna be able to do that all all season and get away with it. So um I'm I'm curious to see where this Everton side goes. It looks on paper like they're gonna struggle. Um but you never know. I mean they they have They've spent a lot of money. They have a, they have a lot of injuries right now. Um, I think if they make Duncan Ferguson permanent, you know they'll be okay. They're they'll finish mid table. I I don't think they'll be in a relegation fight. But right now, you know that's the case. So well, Lucas Digne came off after twenty five minutes. But if you're both Everton and Arsenal are with temporary managers right now, 
And I, Alex and I were talking about this on Twitter the other day. Carlo Ancelotti just got sacked by Napoli. I, Alex made the case that he would be better for, for Everton. I think he's better for who organi- a guy who knows I didn't, the, I didn't the say stature. That. <laughs> I didn't say he was better for Everton. I, th- I don't think he'd be good for either job, Arsenal or Everton. But I was mainly just saying he's definitely not the right guy for Arsenal. Why not? He's the ultimate uh, – what I've heard people describe him as is the ultimate custodian, where he's like the, the ultimate experienced man-manager – who gets big personalities and knows how to keep them focused on the project and on task. But, but he's also, he's also not someone that you should entrust with like revamping your team, developing a strategy, a tactical way of playing. He's someone that can come into a job like Chelsea in 2009, a team that's already been set up by Jose Mourinho, carried on a little bit by a few other managers, had boatloads of experience of, like, of players, multiple captains of their national teams and, uh, and, and, and obviously previous clubs that could just lead the team in the locker room. All he had to do was just point them in the right direction and make sure that uh, no personalities like, like just disagreed with each other. He goes on to Real Madrid and he wins the decima at Real Madrid with a similar situation that Jose Mourinho had also set up there. Uh, and, you know, he hasn't had as much success since then. He didn't succeed when doing the same thing at Bayern Munich after Pep Guardiola had, uh, had, had been there for three years. And now we've seen him fall out at Napoli. Arsenal and Everton are two clubs that are need, in need of someone with like a vision to point them towards and uh, identify players that aren't like befitting with that vision and getting rid of them and bringing in players that are suitable for it. Ancelotti, if those clubs were chock full of talent and ready to compete right now, he might be the guy for that job. But, I mean, as a result, I don't know what team it is that like fits the description for that for Ancelotti next. So maybe he just ends up, if it's offered to him from Arsenal, maybe he just ends up taking it. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying... It wouldn't be it wouldn't be the best thing for Arsenal or for Ancelotti. I gotcha. Let's talk about Manchester United because we feel like we haven't talked about them at all in this game. Uh, are they a team that can only like beat teams that are better than them? Because like look at who they've dropped points to this year. There's a lot of teams outside. Like there's a lot of teams that they are beating that are better than them. They they play well in that game and then they drop points in the games that they're supposed to win. And that's like in the in an era of the top six, that's a great way to finish like eighth. Yeah, they're. Uh, I'm I'm just be- completely befuddled by the the fact that going into uh, December, they had averaged one league win per month up until December. They've won two league games this month: the Tottenham game and the Man City games. So they've improved. But what they haven't shown from those stats is that they haven't been able to put like a three, four, five game like winning run together in the league. And those are the kinds of runs that get you up into a fourth spot, like the seven game winning streak for Chelsea, because everyone else was being so inconsistent with their results. It just launches you into top four. If United are going to make a serious like bid for top four, they need to have at least a three game, like start with three games, win three games in a row, and then people will start to trust you. And obviously not every game is going to be against a team like Man City or against like Tottenham that is going to try and attack you and allow the space in behind that you can take advantage of. So, it, it, I mean, it remains a question, and we've raised it before in this podcast. 
Well, I mean, I think... Yeah, they really had a, a hard time, especially in the second half, breaking down uh, the low block that was that was set up against them. So, I, I, I once Greenwood came on, though, they definitely looked much more dangerous and looked like they could have gone on and gotten the winner, but... Um, Do you start him over Lingard? Definitely. I think so. I think in this next game, you kind of have to, right? He got the winner, and... He, he looked really dangerous, and, and for the amount of minutes that he's played this season, he's been pretty pretty damn efficient. So I kind of think he he got to give him a give him a chance in the Does next. James game. Rashford, uh, Martial, and Greenwood work as like a front four. I feel like he could. I don't know. I'm just curious to like, find out. It depends on how much work Rashford and James are, and Greenwood are willing to do. I mean, in, in my opinion, I feel like they're all willing to do a lot. It's Martial that you have to assume isn't going to do as much. So those yeah. other three have to make up for him, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And if he's going to be the one who's quote unquote up top, then it'll work. I, I don't know. I they Alex, you're right. I mean, but also I'm looking at this squad, and it's like this is a still a super crazy young squad, and the yeah. important parts of this team are so young, and that's probably why they can't pull off these three four game stretches, is because. They just don't have the experience. I mean, they're not, you know, they're professionals, but they don't have the long-term professional experience. And they don't have enough of those guys who have kind of, like, done something around this team. There's, uh, outside of, like, outside of De Gea, I don't think anybody on this team has won a title at United. Ashley Young. Ashley Young. Fine. But he's not in the starting rotation. Yeah, no, but I mean, he's basis. in the squad. Like, he's played plenty of games right. this year. But they need that's that's the like we talked about signings at Manchester United. They need someone who's a proven winner who can come in and like be a you know teach these kids how to win. So I'm hopeful that they don't find that. But that that's that's what they need. Uh, let's jump to Wolves and Tottenham who clashed at Wolves today. <sighs> Lucas Moura opening the scoring. Traore in the 67th to to equalize and then a. Late Vertonghen winner, which stole took away my this this had Mourinho's draw. name all over it. This uh, Andrew, it took away a good. It took away a couple of our bets of the week. Ugh. Yeah, it took away. We don't want to talk about gambling anymore. Yeah, I mean, we haven't mentioned it yet, but we all went o for one, two, three, four, five, six. We went o for six basically on our our individual bets this week, and me, both me and Andrew had positive results for Wolves uh, in our bets. I had a score. Both teams to score a win for Wolves. And, you know, for much of that second half, I felt like I was good for it. I felt like Wolves were thoroughly outplaying Tottenham. And Mourinho just managed his typical bullshit that's only going to make those players believe in him more, where they don't deserve the win at all. They barely deserve, they barely would have deserved to even draw if it ended 1 1. Like, Wolves were the serious, uh, uh, seriously more threatening team uh, in the second half. And for, I would say, most of the first half after Tottenham got that opener. And it, it, they were unlucky not to win like 3-1 or something like that. So, I mean, it's it, it's some areas to improve further for Wolves. But uh, like like Tottenham, Tottenham got seriously lucky. I'll, I'll just say it. I, I, I didn't think they deserved that win at yeah, all. Yeah, Tottenham got outplayed and should have probably lost 2 or 3-0, but... Yeah, the Mourinho kind of worked his magic with his subs, and they they they, they kind of they pulled it out of they pulled it out of Mourinho's hat, you know. Pulled it was, out of their ass, really more good, like it. Yeah, pulled out of their ass, but I mean, there was there was there, there was some good saves from both keepers. Um, 
I thought it was... I think a draw would have probably been a fair result near the end of the game, but Wolves can definitely feel hard done by to get absolutely nothing from this game because they, especially in the first half, you could just... Tottenham did absolutely nothing, and you know they really needed that, that halftime team talk, and they were better in the second half, a lot better. So I think on the, like it was kind of a tale of two two halves of this game, and you can see that Wolves are going to be in it till the end of the year. Like they're how far in the Europa do you do you think they go? I think they could reach the final uh, on that. I think they could get far in Europa. I think they'll be in the top six conversation till the end of the year. But you know, saying that, I think wouldn't, be in, would, in wouldn't you think it. they would be fine to be like kind of resigned to like mid table in the Premier League if they just focused everything in Europa League and tried to get a Champions League spot that way? I don't think they have to do that. No, I don't, I don't think they have do. to. But there's a good there's a good amount of like teams improving to get into the top four in the Premier League, like Tottenham and Manchester United, notably, and Chelsea falling off and. You know, you, like, you never know, but it, it's it, it's looking like a top four would maybe be a little difficult for Wolves, especially after this result. If they beat Tottenham at home, then obviously they're right in it amongst it. But I, I feel like it would probably be Tottenham, a better path for them to just say we're, we're a counterattacking team with players in good form like Yota and Adama Traore especially today was excellent. Jimenez still looks bright and involved with things. Like I feel like they're they could be good enough to like surprise some teams. Like Red Bull Salzburg got to a like a, a semi final two years ago, not that long ago. And no, last year, last year. No, they didn't get. To, they got to the quarterfinal last year and lost to Napoli, or the or the the round before that and lost to Napoli. But they got to a semi final two years before two years ago. That so I mean if like Nap uh, like or sorry Salzburg are good and Wolves are also a very good but different kind of team. I feel like Wolves, if they fully just focus all their energy in Europa League, they could at least give themselves like in with a shout to to win it. Maybe it's it, I, that's what I would do if I was them. That's all I'm saying. And that's well, that was their whole that was their owner's whole thing. Within three seasons, we right. want to be in the Champions League. So if they got it, I I kind of agree with Alex because there's right now there's a, there's a four team race for fourth for fourth place. The way things are right now, unless Leicester get incredibly injured and everything goes to shit it's liverpool manchester city leicester and then I think chelsea are trying to face up or fight off tottenham united uh and wolves. wolves and i guess arsenal if they hire a manager and get their shit together i think only city and liverpool are locked for top four right now i think the other two spots are open i don't think like leicester's a lock and i don't think tottenham or anyone else is right now we say that now. Let's wait until after Le- uh, Leicester play against Liverpool. On, on yeah, let's wait night. these next few games. Exactly. If they get some results against Liverpool and City, then I'll be like, yeah, they're probably a lock. But and let's see if Leicester decide to spend any of that 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 Harry Maguire money, money. Yeah, because they've got it. And there's and and they, the thing is, they've recruited Zaha. well. They just re up Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> I almost remember bringing that up again. Oh, Stop oh, us from getting no. Zaha and Leicester get Zaha, and then we have to go for Sancho. And we have to drop like two hundred and fifty million on Sancho. <laughs> I don't know where Zaha plays at Leicester, though. You know what right I mean? Right wing, like where Perez is right now, or left wing where Barnes they, is. Take your pick, Andrew. He's better than both of them. <laughs> that's fair. They just spent money on Perez, though, and Barnes was Barnes was doing really well last year at West Brom on loan, and they brought him back. He's like a youth academy product, so he's yeah, they, they can still in. play, but Zaha is better than both of them and would give them a completely yeah. new dynamic. Yeah, he would. 
He really would. And he knows the league. Ugh. It's just, is Crystal Palace going to sell him when they are... Maybe if they get the money they want, 80 or 100 million, they absolutely could. I'm sorry, but yeah, yeah. Crystal Palace are in 10th place on 22 points. They are seven points above the drop. There are a lot of teams worse than uh, Crystal Palace in the league right now. That's that's for damn Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All right, well, that wraps it up for us. We do have midweek, but it's only the League Cup, which we're not really going to cover here. Uh, Best of luck to Liverpool's U23s that are actually probably playing the U23 goalkeeper, if I'm reading rosters right, which is amazing. Uh, Their U23 manager is going to be managing the team in their clash against us. In the Carabao Cup, of course. Yes. Yes. So, you love to see it. Back-to-back days for Liverpool. Back-to-back games for Liverpool uh, Liverpool, because they play Monterey the next day. Keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for the preview pod for this upcoming week because, I mean, the one game that is going to be in my mind for this whole week and probably is going to have the balance of whether I'm happy or not on Christmas Day uh, going on is Chelsea going to Tottenham next week. And if Tottenham win, then they're ahead of us on goal difference. So a huge game two or three days before Christmas and Chelsea facing Jose Mourinho again. It's it's not looking good, but, you know, I cross my fingers and I hold out hope. I think I'm going to be on the bus for that game because I'm coming home that day. Boxing Day, day after Christmas? Oh, no, no, no. no su- Sunday. Sorry, it's a Sunday before Christmas. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that wraps it up for us. Uh, until next time. See you.